Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with another episode, an exciting episode of Our Roots and Tea. And we are here because we want to explore our minds. We're talking about deep topics, spirituality, meditation, philosophy, all that good stuff. And today I am joined by the great Tate Alexander. Thank you very much for being on board. Thanks for having me. Yep. And so it is a bit of a tradition here that we drink tea with our guests while we discuss these topics. And today I am having the English breakfast tea, the classic. And Tate, I think he's drinking an oolong tea, I believe. Having some oolong. Yep. 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 Um, so, yeah, you know, tea always has a great calming effect, especially while talking, you know, discussing these topics. And not to ramble on too much, we're just going to get started right away. First thing I want to ask you, Tate, is you, I mean, you're obviously a singer songwriter, and you're also the, the lead singer of your own band, Chakra 8, right? I believe. Yeah. So I'm very curious about this band and kind of how it all got started. Where did the concept come from? And because I feel like the name also has a special meaning too. Yeah, So give definitely. Me the, give me the full backstory. Sure. So, um, I mean, I've been a solo musician for a really long time and I was playing in a band called Akiini. We were like a, a psych rock band. We were together for like four or five years. We were uh, playing festivals and shows and, all around town and uh and then when the band split i just started sort of doing my own solo thing and um and this guy rick uh who played drums for a band called corners sort of like a post-punk uh sort of band he reached out to me he has a recording studio in agora and told me that he wanted to record me and i knew what his rates were you know i know the going rates for a, a professional studio and i I told him, look, man, I, I would love to record with you, but to be quite honest with you, it's just not in my budget right now. And he said, no, no, just, just come by. I'll take care of it. So I said, heck yeah, all right, get in the studio. We knocked a song out over the weekend and uh, thanked him for being there. And he said, when are you coming back? <laughs> I said, man, I will spend my whole life in the studio, I could be here every day. Whenever you'll have me back, I'll be here because I could write a song every day. And um, he told me, well, I work during the week, but you can be here on weekends. And uh, we did that for about three years. Every single weekend from Friday till Sunday night, I was there in the studio. Um, it started with this guy, Casey Cole, who started playing music with me. He ended up ha had, having a second child, so that took all his time away. Right. Uh, but Rick and I just continued on and it's not a band uh, because it's me and Rick and you know there's instruments we don't play where we'll have someone who plays saxophone come by and record saxophone or we had multiple bass players come by so there's really not this like this traditional sense of a band there's not he's the bassist he's the drummer he's the guitarist uh, Rick who was recording me played drums I played almost everything else that was on all the tracks and uh, we just didn't want to call it my name, hmm. you know. I'd been going by my name as a solo artist, and now that there are other people involved, I didn't want it to be so self-centered, you know. And <laughs> other people are just sort of like, you know, I wanted them to feel like they're a part of it. So we threw out a bunch of different names. One of the names was Chakra. I was like, Chakra's cool. 
And I, I thought there's seven chakras. And then I was like, wait, what about chakra eight? Because it's sort of like beyond, you know, and I, I like things that are beyond, you know, and yeah. and the eighth chakra is, is over your head, which I like the concept of like music that's over your head, you mm -hmm. know. And then when I started researching the eighth chakra, I found out that the eighth chakra is what's lit up when you are in alignment with your purpose, with your dharma. You know, oh. we, we have all these ideas of like, you know, the throat chakra, truth, communication, the heart chakra, you know, we, we understand that. And I liked the concept of an eighth chakra being over your crown, because when that's lit up, you're in alignment with your dharma or your purpose. And for me, that's how music has always felt to me. And I also like that it's a chakra that's outside of your physical body, which to me indicates that we're not just here for ourselves. There's that's where our self merges with the world around us. This eighth chakra that's that's sort of outside of our body, you know. And it's uh, I like the concept of it, so we went with with chakra eight. Yeah, I realized because I I did listen to some of your music and definitely very spiritual sense, you know, like very, this is very different. And, and I see that's interesting. That's actually very interesting with your whole Dharma and, and things like that. So th that means each person's purpose will be different, right? Because that means that connection will be different. Since yeah, I think that when you're in alignment with your purpose, everything feels right. You know, mm. like it might not be easy necessarily, um, I think pursuing uh, a life of music is not an easy path. You know, there was this uh, this meme I was reading the other day I thought was funny and, and connected with where it's like, you know, musicians, they generally grow up watching all their friends hitting all these pivotal points of adulthood, you know, like getting married and having a kid. And when you're making music, you're pouring your your heart and your soul and your time and your energy and your money into something because you know that's what you're here to do yeah. even though it might not be giving you a return like most things that people invest into right away you know it's sort of like playing the lottery but even if you don't strike gold you know that that's what you're there to do and the people that it does connect with it could have a massive impact on their lives i believe that music saves lives i believe there's people who are on the verge of suicide and depression. And then that right song comes on and it just fixes it. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe in the magic of music and I don't think there's enough music nowadays that is uplifting, good lyrics, uh, positive message. And I just, I, I think the world could use some more of that. You know, I believe quite the opposite is happening with music where they're, they're sort of like making things that shouldn't be cool, cool, you know, <laughs> make, yeah. And, and that's not, I'm not about that. I think that, that we should make compassion cool. You mm -hmm. know, we should make empathy cool, awareness cool. You know, like that's what music sort of does. That's what pop culture does. Is it makes things quote unquote cool, right? Mm -hmm. Anyways, I feel, I feel that that's a, a big part of my purpose and I just can't stop. You know, I just keep producing material regardless of, of what else is going on in the world. Sometimes I've got, you know, more financial things that I need to focus on. And that may take my attention off of it for a minute, but I always sort of come back to it. It's, mm -hmm. it's always something that it feels like it needs to come through regardless. So it almost feels like that for you. Music is, is 
more than just like your own passion is is something even bigger like potentially a healing factor for a lot of people totally i think everyone comes into this world with gifts to give the world around them and i think that when people are doing whatever that is they can feel that alignment they can feel that click whether they're a dancer or they're a poet or they're a doctor you know there's there's so many different things but i feel like it goes beyond uh, the love of self. Even mm-hmm. though I feel the love of self is a, is a highly important factor, you can't drive someone to their destination with a broken down car. You know, the self love has to come first. But I don't believe it stops there. You know, obviously I love making music, and I want to make music because it feeds me. But mm-hmm. I also feel like there's sort of a responsibility to my existence and my purpose and my calling and to better the world around me. And I think that's, that's just what I intuitively feel and am passionate about with, with music for me. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, no, no, that's very commendable. I, I love that about it. Um, because you're right, nowadays the music, uh, I mean, more like mainstream pop, hip hop music, which a lot of times talks about the same stuff, um, mm-hmm. drugs, sex, all that, which, I mean, they have their values, but like what you said, it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't really, I don't know, it serves like, it serves like maybe just the pleasure value, but then in a higher sense, it doesn't do anything in, in, the, in at least for me. Yeah, I just don't find it very enhancing for our culture. And it's not just what they're saying, it's sort of the energy around it. Like yeah. sex can be a very sacred and spiritual thing, but when it's given this sort of weird perverty undertone that that's just weird and like even love songs even a lot you go back and you listen to some of the greatest quote-unquote greatest love songs ever made Mm -hmm. and you really listen to the lyrics they're like man it's very disempowering music Mm -hmm. it's very like i need you and without you i'm nothing and it you know you listen just listen to the words and it's like, wow, I, that song is not exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. And, you know, I could go down the rabbit hole of MK Ultra and why this all exists. But um, I feel that the music industry is, is uh, for the most part, a dark industry. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think those, those times are changing. I think a lot of people are waking up to, you know, uh, what Sony is all about, you know, and what all these big giants are really about. And um, I think we're going to start to see a shift in how we already are. The music industry is always changing how people have access to their music right now. Spotify is sort of the, seems like the leading edge of music, which is yeah. weird for the artists because they don't make any money, even if yeah. everyone's listening to it. Yeah. So I think we're constantly in a shifting industry where things are always changing. I mean, it's not that long ago where people had to get their music on vinyl. It's really not that long ago. Um, So I think we're going to start seeing things shift within the industry as well. And I think people are, are starting to wake up to the sort of McDonald's of music. Like just (laughs) because that's what, just because that's what they're advertising doesn't mean that's all there is to eat. And it doesn't mean it's good for you either. Like, yeah. So I, I, I'm riding this wave. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go, but I'm excited to be right. uh, here at this time. What a great description. <laughs> McDonald's of music. <laughs> it's what it is. Well, it's what I mean, it is. 
That's true. And, and, and don't get me wrong, junk food has its, has its values too. I mean, you know, it is good every now and then, I, I guess you can put it that way. <laughs> so, and um, it's interesting. So I kind of want to backtrack a little bit, actually. Sure. For you yourself, um, when is that moment that you realize you find you found your alignment you you know whether it's through music or something else well i mean i went i came to california in 2005 to go to film school and i really felt my passion was to make movies mm -hmm. and okay. i went to film school i got into the film industry i got my as they call it your foot in the door and the moment i got my foot in the door i wanted it back out oh. and that was a big existential crisis for me because here, everything I was working for, everything I went to college for, everything I was pushing for, and I got my big opportunity uh, as a chief editor for a special effects department for Marvel and Capcom. Nice. Like I got, I got handed a huge opportunity, and you know, my name was going to be going on all these credits, and I was going to have a steady, nice income. But I was looking at a computer screen from sunup till sundown, mm. six, maybe seven days a week. I was in a windowless office alone, yeah. and the only human contact I had was someone would open my door and say, hey, we need you to do this, and shut my door. Oh. And I was, it was a really mind-opening experience, because I was like, this is the film industry, is you just, you do the grunt work, and maybe, maybe, someday later, I'll have a, enough money to invest in my own film, or, you know, it was just a big political mess and mm -hmm. i saw the movies i was working on and i was like there's no positive message here there's no this isn't any story i've never this is the same story over and over again with different characters and there's no real meaning and it just felt gross and i got out and uh just jumped in my friend's van and went traveling for eight months around the states trying to get my head straight, figure out, you know, everything I was working towards, it was handed to me and I, I didn't want it. So it was a big wake up call for me. I, it gave me time to kind of clear my head and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I've always known I'm the creative type. I've not been, you know, had so much passion around anything else. I wasn't into sports. I wasn't into, you know, what I was learning in classes. All I wanted to do was make art my whole life. And, uh, I just started playing music, started recording it from my cheap little microphone onto my cheap little computer. And I realized that that's, that's where I found peace. That's where I found myself was through writing songs. And there's so much that I can say through music that I can't say with my words. And that's how, that's how I felt I could best express what I'm feeling and how I'm observing the world. And um, how crazy everything seems to me with a sense of humor or a sense of artisticness about it, you know? I can't just run around shouting at how crazy I think the world is, but if you give me a guitar and a microphone, I will, and people will enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, well, because when you sing about it, it seems less weird than you shouting, you know, in the street out loud. Right. According to society's norm. Um, right. Who knows that if they're right or not, but um, that's interesting because I actually was also going to ask you this too, because it's a little bit of a link what you just said. So you, you went through 
through that experience, you went through the existential crisis and then you kind of find your, found your alignment with music. And because I know there, there was one interview that I heard on Spotify that you're talking about the whole spiritual tunnel um, concept. Mm-hmm. So, so is it during that time that you were kind of going into the tunnel or, or find yourself in the tunnel? So maybe- I would yeah. say, say shortly after that, you know, I, I moved into a community house and it was a very quote unquote spiritual house. I mean, we had Sikhs and yogis and, you know, it was, they, it was a sober place. There was not, not allowed to drink or smoke. It was very strict rules to create what they thought was a spiritual atmosphere. I was going through uh, one of the biggest, I would say the biggest breakup of my life at that time. And there was a moment where I was just depressed. I was in bed. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to leave the house. I, I had poured my heart into someone and I was telling myself this story in my head and I was just creating a real difficult time for myself. And I discovered this book, Ram Dass Be Here Now. And I read it. It was very helpful. And at the end, there's the spiritual cookbook. And I just went into what's called tapasharya. It's tapas. It's it's the spiritual sprint. It's 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 strict. It's like, man, I was waking up at 4 a.m. I was doing the breath work. I was doing the yoga. I was doing the chanting. I was doing the whole thing. And it pulled me out of my depression. It got me focused on bettering myself and moving forward uh, as an individual. And I mean, I took that far. I mean, later in life, I started doing Kundalini yoga um, and got really into waking up at 4 a.m. and doing all the breath work and the chanting. Uh, I got big into plant technologies such as Aya and just really started going as far as I could down the spiritual path. And the reason I call this the spiritual tunnel is that you've got to at one point come out the other end. Okay. You know, life is, spirituality is very important. Developing self-awareness, exploring the mind, these things are very important. But if they're not integrated into a very grounded third dimensional plane, which is what we're on, it doesn't do you any good. And I've seen people go way too deep down the spiritual tunnel without doing the earth work, mm. if that makes sense. You know, I had I had a very mind-opening experience with Aya um, not too long ago, um, and it basically told me if you want to go further with this work, you need to move away from this culture. You need to go into the jungle. You need to get rid of everything you own, and you need to go down that path. Otherwise, you need to stop. You need to take what you've learned, and you need to integrate it onto the path that you're already on. It's one or the other, because this culture cannot accept someone who is breaking this culture you know they cannot they cannot um you become an outcast you become someone who people do not like because you're you're breaking their fabric of reality and people cannot handle that they can't stand it so it's either you have to sort of integrate these lessons and you have to use them with gentleness to people who don't know them yet. And you have to be patient and you have to be present and you have to take all these lessons and sort of tone them down, turn the volume down a little for people who it's too much for, or 
you go out in the jungle and you become that guy. <laughs> you become you become the monk, you become the saint, but you don't push that on people. They come to you. They come find you. Mm-hmm. And I spent about a year living alone on a mountain in a tent when I was growing cannabis up north. Wow. And I quickly I quickly realized that that is not the life for me. I'm I'm too social. I love people. I I, I want to be around people. And so I declined that path. And I said, I'm, I'm going to integrate what I know, and I'm going to start doing grounded work. And that's what I mean about the spiritual tunnel. At some point, through all the breath work and all the yoga and all the self-discovery, you've got to come out the other end, and you've got to start integrating what that work gave you into a very physical, tangible way of serving the world around you. It doesn't, you know, it's not doing anyone good if you're spiritual AF, mm-hmm. but you can't pay your bills. Sure. Not, that's that's a harsh reality that any spiritual seeker is going to one day or another wake up to and realize, man, what good is this meditation doing me if I can't hold a job or if I can't, you know, fix my car or this or that. So I think it's very important for people on the spiritual path to create a balance in their life and uh, find ways of integrating a spiritual practice into a very, I would say, non-spiritual practice, <laughs> you know, a very earthly, a very earthly, solid, physical thing. Because, you know, some people on the spiritual path, they start getting really into non-attachment, right? Yeah. Non-attached, everything's temporary. But man, if you were really not attached, you wouldn't be attached to continuing on in this physical body. Sure. You'd not be attached to your body. Like this reality that we're in, involves a certain amount of attachment and without that amount of attachment you can't take good care of your body you can't Um, you can't uh, develop deep meaningful relationships because there's no attachment to another person so I think it's much more healthy to create a balance where you're allowing yourself to get attached we're in the play we're in the theater of characters and let's get attached and then let's let's break that attachment because it is temporary Right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm at nowadays is is living in the middle and not not running too far to one extreme or the other. Everything's not physical, uh, 3D permanence, and everything is also not temporary illusion spirits. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I actually had an interesting thought that I kind of like your opinion on it is that you know, you talked about obviously non-attachments, you're talking about, you know, seeking spiritual self and, you know, a lot of speak seeking spiritual self is like, you're, you're just trying to eliminate, um, you know, desires or, or, or distractions or anything like that, you know, such as alcohol, drugs, whatever. But do you, it's interesting, because do you think that people who work so hard to seek this spiritual path in itself is like an addiction? in itself is kind of absolutely like, it's almost ironic I, I had, right <laughs> yeah i had i had i had a big wake-up call with that where when i was doing the kundalini yoga man i step back and i look at myself and i go man i just have the biggest ego i've ever had oh wow like i think i think i am so darn spiritual like you know like that's how i saw myself i'm like dang i'm wearing all white and i'm waking up <laughs> before everyone else and I'm so on the spiritual path. And I'm like, dude, 
you know, like if it's helping you, great. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna like knock it completely. Like people can definitely get some positive things out of that. But I think it's really important for people on the spiritual path to be mindful that they're not just doing it for a title, Mm -hmm. you know, like if it helps you, if yoga is helping you, great, man, like do it. But if it becomes, I've seen it way too much in LA where people just, they have this sort of arrogance Mm. about spirituality. And that's the opposite, in my opinion, of what spirituality is. Spirituality is about oneness and connectedness and awareness with the energy field that we are all connected to and feeding that and being loving. Like like I said, it starts with self-love, but that's not the end. It ends with love that is neither self nor other. It's just witnessing the energy field that we're all in and feeding it and knowing what it needs and giving to it, you know, whether it's the self or the other. And I mean, yeah, spirituality, definitely. I mean, I think the most subtle of egos is the ego that thinks that it has no ego. Mm. It's the, it's the trickiest ego there is. Mm. And I, I think it's, for me, what's been helpful with the ego is just to see it for what I see it for, which is like, it's just a character. It's just a cartoon, right? Like, I don't think, I don't believe in killing the ego. I don't believe in dissolving the ego. I believe in witnessing the ego and not taking it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Like understanding that it's just this cartoon that yeah. we're all living through. It's a character. And there is no killing it. Otherwise, you're a monk in a cave. You're just oming and closing your eyes. And where's the fun in that? Like, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's more about kind of accepting that it's there you know, and just in a way not let it control you in, in a sense. Right. Don't take it so seriously. You know, um, some people get so attached to their identity. Yeah. And that they'll feel it's insulting to call them the wrong pronoun or mm-hmm. call them, you know, or, you know, I'm just using that as an example. You know, uh, for me, I believe that it's a very healthy relationship to have with your ego just to not take it so seriously, mm-hmm. to understand that it's, it's just a character. Yeah. It's just a figment of your imagination in which you project out into the world, mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, of course, like you, you know, cause you did mention about balance many times in, in mm-hmm. different aspects. Right. And of course you need to have some balance with that too, because I, I feel like ego at least is something that will drive people to do, to achieve whatever or do whatever they need to do. Right. Because while ego, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but without ego, then you can even argue we're just kind of roaming around and not knowing exactly what we're doing, right? Exactly. And that's why I'm saying, like, not to dissolve the ego, but just to see it for what it is. Right, which right. Which is a character, which, which playing a character, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it, you play the character. You want to be successful? You want that to be your ego? Do it. Mm. You know, understand that that's the character you're taking on and then yeah. live it, embody it and have fun with it. Like mm-hmm. that's what the ego's for. And I definitely think that the ego can be used to push someone to create a better life for themselves. You know, th- you know, an ego that says, "Well, I'm successful. I'm a successful person." Someone else challenging, offended or you're not 
you know, because you understand that it's your character. It's not really who you are at your core. It's just the show that you're putting on. So if they challenge that, that's okay. Right. And so I'm curious, like for you, sometimes in the voice in your head or your ego, what, what is your ego telling you sometimes? Good question. Um, so there's, there's two voices in my head and I, I make peace. I have to treat them both as though they're guests in my house. That's the way I look at it, right? Mm -hmm. I want to keep both of them comfortable and happy. There is the dreamer. There is the sort of Abraham Hicksy sort of believe it and you can achieve it. There is the positive thinking. Let's manifest this. We can create whatever life we want. There's that voice, right? Yeah. And then there's the voice of reality. Here's where I'm at. This is how things are. I believe I'm abundant, but here's my bank account, right? I believe I'm successful, but this is my life. So there's all these like, you know, that's the balance. That's the balance where it's acknowledging where I'm at and acknowledging my potential. Mm. I have to be real with, I have to be real and honest. If I have something, if I view myself in a way that's not flattering to myself, I need to acknowledge that in order to address it. I can't just do this spiritual bypass game of, oh no, I'm, I'm already perfect. I'm, you know, do this, this sort of unable to fully witness myself as who I am. So I, like I said, I view it as, as two house guests in the same house where I don't ever want to shut up the dreamer. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to shut up the voice that knows what my potential is. And I don't want to shut up the voice that's saying, Hey, you've got this dirt here. You need to, you need to fix this. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's basically where I find my ego is sort of bouncing back and forth between these uh, realities of where I'm at and where I'm going. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Wow, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Two guests in, in a house. Okay. And then yeah, these both, two... both, right. both voices, both voices have validity. Both voices have something important to share. Yeah. Right. It's just like, it's just two, two house guests and I got to keep them both happy and I got to listen to both of them. And so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And so another thing also too, I was going to ask about is you in, in that podcast, you talked about like the whole placebo effect as well, which, which I thought it was very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. How sometimes the whole spiritual, I guess you can say, even say enlightenment, right? Um, maybe sometimes like it just it was already there or it comes to you already, but maybe some people are pushing too hard or, or maybe, you know, like what you said about placebo effect. So I want to know a little bit more about that, your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think the placebo effect comes into play in our lives quite a bit, mm -hmm. um, but it can be challenged, you know, like let, let's say the example i let's say I, I believe I'm enlightened and I believe that nothing can bother me and nothing can, you know, knock me from my bliss. And, and I'm just going to go on this spiritual path of just believing that I'm already perfect and I'm already enlightened. Well, that's great and all, but if things come and challenge that and I can't hold to that, like there, then there, there's facing that reality. And I think the placebo effect comes into uh, spiritual practices where one might 
it, it can work. It can work. I mean, when I was doing Kundalini yoga, I really felt like I was getting more present to the moment. Mm. And maybe I was, um, I think so much of spiritual development is there's definitely physical, tangible elements to it. For instance, uh, I think diet and exercise is huge, is huge in spirituality. If you're not physically well, Mm -hmm. I think it's incredibly hard to focus on being well spiritually, Mm -hmm. Um, almost near impossible. Um, So I think that the placebo effect is not the only thing that comes in with spirituality, but I definitely think it's a determining factor. I think some people become successful because they believe Mm. that the practice they're doing Mm. is going to make them successful. And maybe it's not that practice, but maybe it's just their belief that by doing this, I'm gaining this awareness or I'm gaining this success, you know, and I don't want to push the placebo effect aside as being like, oh, that's just the placebo effect. No, the placebo effect can create tremendous healing. Mm-hmm. Like, like people in studies do heal with sugar yeah. because they believe they're giving that they're, they're receiving a, a, a healing thing. So um, I think the placebo effect does come into play. And I think what's interesting about that is once you understand that a sugar pill healed you because you thought it was medicine, then you can just take away the sugar pill, mm-hmm. right? So if you think that by waking up at 4 a.m. and doing chance and this and that yeah is what's healing you then maybe maybe i'm not suggesting it is but maybe that's a sugar pill Mm. do you see what i'm saying like maybe it's a sugar pill and i think that's worth examining like is this actually is it this practice that's benefiting my life or is it my belief in this practice Mm. that's benefiting my life if it's the belief in this practice that's benefiting my life can I remove the practice and keep the benefit? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because I mean, for me, I now do my, my meditation, my daily meditation. I run five miles a day. And in that five miles, I'm usually on the beach and I'm usually paying attention to my breath and my thoughts. Same as someone would do sitting down, right? Closing their eyes, meditating, Mm -hmm. paying attention to their breath and their thoughts. But for me, it's a more, proactive way because I'm wanting to stay fit and I'm wanting to manage my time well. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the thing is like, do I really need to sit with my eyes closed in Lotus posture in order to meditate? (laughs) Right. So that's what I mean by the, that's what I mean by the placebo effect. If that, by all means, I'm not knocking it. That really helps you find your center. For me, running helps me find my center because I got, I find my pace and I get into my breath and I'm at the beach. I'm just breathing. I'm not talking to anyone. And I got my head clear for a good hour. So that's all I mean by the placebo effect is um, if you don't need the sugar pill, yeah. remove the sugar pill. I mean, this is basically simply, simply just kind of rewiring your brain, right? You, you know, because our brain is so good at um, telling us these narratives and most of the times these narratives are probably false, right? Because our mind's so good at tricking us. And it's kind of like the same deal here, right? Because if you, um, if you have that belief and tell yourself that story enough, you know how what they say is that if you, you know, if you tell yourself like a thousand lies and you'll believe that is true or something like that. um, Right. 
Yeah, I think our brains tend to turn verbs into nouns. Yeah. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is I, I maybe I fail at something. Yeah. And now my my brain might go, oh, you're a failure. You see, it just turned a verb <laughs> into a noun. Mm. And that that story might, you know, that's not that's not real. Yeah. That's not I'm not a failure because I failed. That 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 thing failed. Yeah. And you know, like I uh, you you turn the failure into feedback, and then you could say, "Well, that even wasn't even a failure, really. That was just showing me what how it wouldn't work, mm-hmm. you know." And just reframing the whole situation. So the stories we tell ourselves, yeah, cannot change the facts, yeah, but they can, but they can reframe them and reshape our views of them, which sure. can be extremely powerful in moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. So it, the stories we tell ourselves, we can't lie to ourselves. Yeah. But we can, we can tell the story differently, right? Yeah. I can say, and every time I try this, I fail at this, and may, I'm just not meant to do this because, you know, I tried over and over again. It doesn't work. I, I'm never going to achieve this because I already tried and it's not working. Like yeah. that's a story, mm-hmm. and it's not. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. That's that could be the truth. Yeah. But I could also tell the story like, you know what? I tried it this time. It didn't work this way. I tried it again and again and again this time just to be sure that this way wasn't the way. So now I know all these ways that it doesn't work. And now I'm this much closer to figuring out the right way to achieve what it is I'm trying to achieve. Also a true story. Sure. So it's really important that we're aware of the stories we tell ourselves yeah. because you know, it's easy to get trapped in the mindset of, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being real. I'm just telling it like it is, you know, that's how it is. Yes. And there's a different <laughs> way to tell that story. Like, you know, it's, it's true. Um, Cause if anything, all these are really just obstacles, obstacles, right? I mean, they're just in the way for you to learn, like what you said, learn how to do it. Um, if that's how you see it. Yeah. Though. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, it is their belief. There's, I mean, there's people. There's people who just believe that the world is out to get them, and every life's just that's the way life is. Yeah. And, be, and that's the story they're in. Right. Right. And then over the years, <laughs> they keep they keep telling themselves like throughout the, you know, just that kind of negativity or story just accumulates, and then you, you kind of fall deeper into the hole, right? Because it's almost like that story becomes so prominent and and just right. kind of there, you know. I mean, look, we're all human. I'm sure, you know, every single one of us has moments of going into that dark nihilistic place where this is how life is. It's just this and it sucks. And this is just the harsh reality. You know, those moments come and go for everyone, I believe. You know, yeah. we get in, we get into it. But then, you know, just like the seasons, just like the storm comes and goes. And then we move on and we can step back and say, wow, I'm so thankful that that happened. It really uh, brought up a lot of emotions and really uh, inspired me to, uh, be a stronger individual. It really Mm -hmm. inspired me to make some changes in my life. And it it helped me learn how to communicate better. It helped me to this and that and that and this. Cool. I I do have a follow-up question is that, um, for you, you know, on, on your personal life, besides, you know, break up with your girlfriend back then, were there any other challenges that really made you question your, 
you know, either your mental approach or even your spirituality or, or even question yourself like, oh, am I f- actually out of the tunnel or am I still in the tunnel? Hmm. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest trigger I have in my life is around money, money. around financial, financial stability, which most people would say is about as far away from spirituality as one can get. <laughs> yeah. I don't completely agree with that. And that's, that's the work is trying to figure out how to integrate these spiritual practices, right? Like here, here's an example. Like I can show up to a mundane job. Let's say I am, uh, well, I just started working at a farmer's market, right? Cool. And I, I could just say, well, I'm just here selling mushrooms at a farmer's market. You know what? I'm also there on the spiritual plane to bless people. I'm also there to bring love and light and awareness and joy and compassion and consideration. Someone might have a straight up like 10-minute therapy session with me at a booth of a farmer's market. And it's because I I, I feel I've done a lot of work in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I'm in the process right mm-hmm. now of coming out of that spiritual tunnel. I'm looking for things that are very quote unquote, non-spiritual. Mm-hmm. I want fi- my finances in order. You know, I want my, my bank account and credit cards and this and that, like things that are not spiritual. And it's in, like I said before, it's important for me. Like I kind of went around about the path, I think, in the opposite way that most people do. From my observation, most people are very 3D. They're just about money and their bank account and building credit and how nice their car is and this and that. Yeah. And then they grow up and then they're like 40, 50 years old and then they start thinking about spiritual things, right? I feel I went about it in the flip way where most of my life I had no, I didn't want a job, I didn't want to work, I wanted to meditate. I wanted to do yoga. I wanted to read books. I wanted to experiment with Tantra and magic. And that's all I was interested in. And here I am coming out of my Saturn return, like just my last relationship ended over money. And I told myself, I said, that's never going to happen again. I'm I, I need, I need to get my shit together. Mm -hmm. And it's a process. Like it is a process of transitioning from all these spiritual practices and bringing that, that heart and that awareness and that integrity into the world of 3d, you know, Ah. (laughs) checks and balances. Very, very insightful. Um, It sounds like, yeah, you're still kind of struggling to find that balance. Because I do agree with you, <laughs> you know, going for money is a very, yeah, non-spiritual way. Um, yeah, that's interesting, actually. I didn't think about that. I don't, I don't believe it has to be non-spiritual. Sure. I, I, believe, I believe personally the success that I've had in my past work, my past jobs before the whole COVID thing hit, yeah. I was doing the best I was ever doing in my life financially. I had stable work. I was working with multiple companies as a 1099. My time was valued. I was crushing it. Mm. And I believe a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of that came from my spiritual work, learning how to de- learning how to connect with people yeah. uh, from a heart level, yeah. learning how to be present, learning how to listen, learning how to show up, 
Like that all, I just brought it into the workplace. That's, that's where my training was in the past. And people like that. People, mm-hmm. the workplace is rigorous. It's yeah. numbers and heady and, you know, it's just people are stuck. And when you get, when you're in the middle of that and you get a big smile and face, you know, obviously you got to know the work too, and you got to know what you're doing and you got to be good at what you do, yeah. but man, showing, showing up with positive energy, being conscious that everything is vibration and the, the vibration I put out is the vibration I'm getting back. And all these spiritual lessons, you, you, in, you integrate it and bring it into the workplace. And right now I'm in the process of rebuilding myself up in this way, you know, because I didn't go to business school. I, I wasn't trained in marketing. I don't have this sort of aware, these sort of experiences. I have all these spiritual experiences, but now I'm showing up in the physical world saying, I don't know how to do this. I'm willing to learn, Mm -hmm. put me to work. Let's do it. And go in there with a positive energy, which I feel in the workplace can go a long way. So. Okay. Yeah. Because, because the workplace tends to be very, I guess, robotic, right? Because it, 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 does feel like a lot of people are kind of this is actually another friend who described it to me is that they feel like everyone's on autopilot uh mm-hmm. i mean it's starting to change now because of the pandemic because i think the pandemic is kind of like a wake-up call for for a lot of people mm-hmm. um so i so i do believe that's kind of how the workplace is a lot of times where for you like maybe you were like talking to other people who are like kind of like robots you know trying to get through to them and then maybe some of them they're like what are you talking about you know Right. It's, it's really interesting. It's an interesting thought, you know? Yep. So that's, that's, I'd say I'm in the process of coming out of the spiritual tunnel and the, the light there is, is, is bright. <laughs> mm, and, uh, I have, I have a lot to learn and I'm just putting myself out and saying, Hey, I'm here to be of service. How can I help? And trying to find the way in which I fit into this world in a way that's valued in a, in a way that, uh, you know, that, that's what I found with, you know, my last work in sales, I was a brand ambassador for jobs. Oh, wow. And I found that I, I was just naturally enthusiastic about healthy food. Yeah. I just like that. Yeah. And it turns out people will pay you a lot of money to be really excited about their products. I'm like, great. <laughs> they value that because you go out there and you tell other people about it and then they buy more of their products. And I'm like, great, this is a, a great fit for me. So, you know, I've my whole life been pursuing music and creative endeavors. And I'm still open to the possibility that this will bring me financial stability. I'm still working towards that on a weekly basis. I'm still feeding it like anyone would feed a business. You know, Mm -hmm. most businesses start out in the hole for a long time and then boom, one day, maybe they catch their break. And I still feed music like that. Like I said, regardless, I'm going to make music because it feeds my soul. And I believe it, it, it helps other people who also like my music. And I'm creating balance and finding other ways to show up and be of service that people value, which might not be so uh, glamorous as sure. the rock star. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not everyone gets to be a rock star. Yeah. I think I'm a rock star. <laughs> yeah, and cool. I, continue, I continue to express myself like that out to the world. Uh, I'm just learning other ways to show up and to be of service. And are you still continuing to, you know, going through your routine, you know, meditation routine and all that stuff? You still, you still keeping up with that? Absolutely. I run 25 miles a week 
five mm. miles, five miles, five days a week. That's my meditation. Mm. Um, I jump in the ocean for the cold salt water. Um, that's really part of my spiritual routine nowadays. Um, outside of that, I'm, I'm being very grounded right now. Okay. I am, I'm doing things that I see as spiritual. Cleaning my room is spiritual. Yeah. Cleaning my car is spiritual to me. Organizing my closet, that's a spiritual practice. Like, like I, I think, you know, Osho said something. He's like, meditation is not something you do. Either you're always meditating or you're never meditating. And <laughs> I, I'm, para- I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the concept is to, to bring awareness and love and consciousness to every area of your life, unless you want to be a monk, unless you want to just shut the world out. Yeah. It's like we have to learn how to be present, loving, and to do things with intention. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why am I cleaning out my closet? I'm cleaning out my closet because I love me and I deserve to have things neat and organized and I'm holding on to trash and this trash can go. Like, I'm not using this. Like, throwing the intention into the daily work, you know, gives it meaning. Sure. No, that's great. I, I, you're absolutely right because each person's meaning is different, you know, because for you, cleaning your car, I mean, washing your car, cleaning your house is to you spiritual. I mean, maybe to someone else, doing something else is spiritual, right? So everyone's, I guess, each person's belief is different or spiritual. Belief. Sure. Okay, cool. And last question, you know, before we wrap up, because we are getting close on time uh, okay. for you. So, so I guess the last question is, how have you been adjusting to this crazy year, crazy pandemic life? Jeez. Um, well, first of all, I got super blessed because um, right before the whole pandemic went down and everyone was quarantining and stuff, I met the most amazing woman. She's uh, my partner and we've been together since this whole thing happened. And we're watching, I'm watching people online like struggling to hold their relationships together. Yeah. And I just felt like we were sort of like a powerhouse for quarantining. Like, Like the fact that we got to quarantine together was like a blessing. It was like right at the right, at the right time. Mm. So there was that. Um, which just made the whole process more enjoyable. Um, there's a lot of growth there. There's a lot of growth in ourselves in learning to communicate. I mean, to be together during such a strange cosmic, uh, economic time, it was just really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started making my own hot sauce and selling that. I had to get creative, you know, I had to, I had to shift gears. I was like, okay, all my work, every single job, I was working for multiple companies, just shut off, like Mm -hmm. the whole thing. I was like, I got to figure something out. Started making my own product, selling it here and there. Um, I tried a bunch of commission only sales job, wasn't working out for me, didn't feel in alignment. So, you know, we just have to learn to adapt and shift gears. And I was just sort of throwing myself here, there, looking here, looking there. Definitely got more time to focus on my physical health. I started taking martial arts classes. 
and working out more and got into a strict diet and just am really seeing progress in those ways. You know, I think that sometimes life, when it throws us a wall in one way that we're trying to progress in, we can channel that energy somewhere else. You know, maybe uh, it's a breakup and all that energy we were pouring into that other person. Now we have the opportunity to pour that into ourselves or vice versa. When you meet someone new, you're just giving yourself all this energy. Now you get to share that or, you know, you lose your job, but now you haven't been taking good care of your health. And now you have all this time and energy to start putting into your health, you know, and like, that's just life. There's fluxes. It comes and goes. So I think the best thing to do when life gives us a big fat no and shuts something off for us is figure out where we can channel that energy. Mm. Like, you know, that energy wants to go somewhere. It wants to move. I personally have been just training hard in my physical ways and continue to put myself out there for work. I just started at the farmer's market two days a week. I think that's going to open up some new pathways. I feel so happy at the farmer's market. People there are so friendly. Yeah. So I'm stoked about that opportunity. Um, so yeah, I think, I think with any transition in life, you just have to like acknowledge that, that something being shut down and shut off is we have only time and energy. And if that time and energy is being shut down in one area, that time and energy, now there's all these other channels for it to go down, you know, and it's, you know, you maybe wouldn't be able to have have done that because all your energy was going there. And this might be a greater opportunity than than the one that came before, you know, so, and it's going to offer new ways to grow and new ways to learn and stuff like that. So I've just seen this whole, pandemic pandemic as a as a way to learn to adapt mm-hmm. and open myself up to new yeah. potentialities and possibilities oh that's excellent i love i love your adjustments glad to hear everything's working out great love it um yeah i mean we're, we're gonna wrap it up here and it's it's delightful talking to you tate i love to have a part two at some point um but yeah you know we'll we'll, we'll cut it short for now i'm sure we'll We'll be back at some point. Um, and I will have to ask you about the hot sauce and whatever products are, you're trying to sell, uh, just because I'm curious. Sure. Yeah, I sell I sell the superfood hot sauce cool. with like shilajit and goji berries and all that stuff. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, you know, a lot of these information, I'll be posting it in the description, just in case cool. our listeners wants to check it out, you know, maybe check out Tate's hot sauce and... Uh, Give it a try. But nice. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, for spending the hour of us. And yeah, yeah, I mean, hope everything goes well. And then uh, you know, we'll be in touch again and and you know, we'll you know, we'll go from there, you know. And um, sounds good. Cool, cool. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. We will be back again next week, of course. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>